This idea comes from the old people. I'm only repeating to you what they've told them to me and to many other people. most excited about what I'm seeing is the future generation. So just looking at your generation and the generation coming up, it is extremely exciting. Um, the voice is very powerful, the way that our future generations are able to see things from so many different angles and lenses and come up with some really good ideas, I think is is extremely exciting. Like I just can't wait to see where we go in the next two, three, four generations. Ace Whale Stalo Nation. My name is Teresa Warbis and we believe in Stalo. Together we will engage in all things related to our journey towards self-government. This podcast, Stalo Signal, is the audio component to our very independent newsletter by the same name. I was so inspired by my talk with Winona Hall in episode two that I wanted to give her more time to share her thoughts on air. She talked a lot about policies and problems that have kept down our people for generations. So what led this powerhouse scale kill member to be so optimistic about the future? Maybe her own path tells a part of her story. Remember her credentials that she shared with us last time. So I'm currently um, an associate professor at the University of the Fraser Valley teaching in the Indigenous Studies program. I um, did my PhD in Indigenous governance, uh, focused on the Stalo people, and I did my master's degree on Stalo justice and what that looks like for our people, and my BA degree was a joint major in criminology and psychology. That's inspiring, right? Hopefully not intimidating. I mean, academia isn't for everybody, but even if you don't want to head in that direction, Winona is an example of someone who wouldn't let anything get in her way. I was a child that always loved to read and write, and I grew up on a lot of different reserves that didn't have TVs and plumbing and electricity. So, yeah, quite often I was always reading and writing, and always out on the land is where I always felt best because the house, we lived in shacks, like with no toilets, <laughs> cooking on a wood stove, cold, drab, dreary, whereas outside it was just so beautiful. And so that's kind of where it started. And then I, as I was reading things I was discovering, um, I didn't really like. And I remember thinking, one day I'm going to go to the Department of Indian Affairs, that's what it was called back then, and I'm going to ask them for help for our people because when I was looking around, I just saw too much poverty and I couldn't figure out there's something wrong here. But I'm sure the Department of Indian Affairs will help us. You can imagine my surprise when, as an adult, I got there and realized that they were the reason we were poor. Now that would be an eye-opener. But did that get her down? No. Winona decided to take that department on. And then the other reason had to do with actually, well, I thought it was a fluke, but now I'm realizing it's just the universe looking after my path. When... Uh, by mistake, I came across the overrepresentation of Indigenous peoples within the criminal justice system, and that really bothered me because I'd spent enough time on several reserves to know that we are not any more criminal than any other group of people. So I really wanted to look and find out what's going on there, and finding out that it was the overrepresentation was largely due to racism, and um, structural racism, and colonial impacts and then went on to discover the over-representation of our Indigenous children in the care of the current government, and same. So I just, it just went from one step after another trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? 
and what can we do to make meaningful change not just tiny little steps like I felt like some major changes need to happen so in my mind that seemed to be well if, if I just do the whole PhD route then perhaps I could find a way to to make some substantial changes. Winona really took a deep dive into this stuff, and that was several years ago. Check out the most recent stats. In 2017 and 18, Aboriginal adults accounted for 30% of admissions to provincial territorial custody and 29% of admissions to federal custody, while representing approximately 4% of the Canadian adult population. If you break women out of the stats, Indigenous women represent 40% of the female prison populations. And one of the real problems, according to Winona, is the existence of the Indian Act. This racist legislation that's been... It's been us for 150 years. So let's hear more about what she has to say on that. Did you know that the, in, the, the original name of the Indian Act was the Gradual Civilization Act? That's the name of it. And we should, we should call it that. That's what it was. And then they decided to try to make it a little bit more politically correct by changing it to the Indian Act. That's like Indian Affairs changing its name to Indigenous Affairs, that somehow it makes it a little bit more correct. So yeah, the Gradual Civilization Act is the original name of the Indian Act. There are absolutely no benefits to that act. The only thing that it does is it allows the federal government to provide us with substandard services and get away with it. It allows the government to um, continue to lay claim to our lands without any really legal proceeding and how they, they all of a sudden acquired ownership of our lands. Mm -hmm. They cannot point to anything legal. That's why we're, as we always mention, we're on the unceded territory of the Stalo people, mm -hmm. meaning this land is still ours. It hasn't been purchased. It hasn't been given away in a treaty. There was no war or conquer here and it's certainly we cannot follow the doctrine of discovery mm. anymore that has been repudiated by the churches by the courts when really we could decide today that we are no longer living under the Indian Act that's our decision to make as indigenous peoples right mm. but part of it is I refer to it as like the the colonial mentality or the colonial hangover of seven generations of being oppressed and I never want to disrespect what the generations ahead of us went through. Mm -hmm. Like the generations ahead of us went through um, violent forms of genocide. The types of genocide you and I are experiencing are quite benign in comparison to the genocide our ancestors experienced. And so I can understand the fear and the trauma that goes along with that. Yeah. But we, we, can't, we can't use that as the next generation. We need to stand up and say, yeah, the Indian Act's gone and we're gonna replace it. You and I could sit down and within an hour, come up with something better than the Indian Act. So as much as I'd like to sit down and rewrite something like the Indian Act, we did not do this. But she did point out that my dad once suggested we write our own act and write the people who came to our territory into our own constitution. And I don't care if they write it in their constitution. I don't care if they have an Indian Act, whatever they have. That's their business. My business is, is that I have a nation, that I have tribal sovereignty, and then I'll sit down with them and talk about how I want to relate to them. I'll put them in my constitution if they like. That'll make them feel better. I'll put it in my constitution. We'll have our own section 35. I really love the passion in this clip and just how hard our leaders fought for us in the past. 
and I'll let Winona put this into context. Maybe we start thinking about it as the Indian Act is something over there that the Canadian government needs to deal with. We're not under it unless we choose to be under it, right? And then the, once we start educating our, our people, like when we learn about the 1969 white paper when Pierre Trudeau tried to unilaterally get rid of the Indian Act and Indigenous peoples across the country united and said, no, we have to keep the Indian Act. And I was confused by that and I went to talk to my dad because here I'm fighting to get rid of that, that, that thing. And then I find out the history of 1969 when they all got together to, to keep it. So I went to my dad and I'm asked, I'm like, why would you want to keep a piece of legislation that oppresses us, that keeps us on reserves? Like even think of that word, reserve. Like I was born on a reserve. I live on a reserve. And I hope to God I don't die on a reserve like that's just so archaic mm -hmm. why would you fight to keep legislation to keep reserves mm -hmm. and he um, explained to me that at the time it was the only piece of legislation that let the world know that there's something unique about us but can you imagine if there was a white act mm -hmm. right what mm -hmm. so when my dad explained it to me that way I understood mm -hmm. because we didn't have the Constitution Act yet this was like back in 1969 we now have the Constitution Act as of 1982. We have Section 25 and we have Section 35. Soon as that uh, came into effect, we should have abolished the Indian Act immediately. My thing is, just get rid of it. Just get rid of the thing and let us, I have faith in us, I have confidence in us, we'll figure it out, right? Anything, anything is better than the Indian Act. Mm but I don't want us to give up our Indigenous land or our Indigenous rights and title just so that we are no longer living with the Indian Act. These two do not connect. Well, I said it to her during the interview and I'll say it again. I really believe that we need more women like Winona in leadership. I mean, she is, of course, as a university professor, leading in such a big way, as I've said before, not only as a role model, but as a teacher to our future generations. So she really is shaping the young minds of many people with an Indigenous lens and viewpoint. I'll just leave you all with this one last thought. So I think part of that is for us to feel empowered in doing that. And it's tough. I always, I think about the, um, this picture somebody sent to me because they said it reminded them of me where there's this tiny little kitten growling at this major threat coming her way and she's just tiny and she's thinking that she's scaring that major threat away but there's 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 this great big huge mountain lion behind her that she doesn't see <laughs> so in there because that's how I am I'm this tiny little voice but that mountain lion that's our ancestry behind us that's huge that's major and we all feel it right it's that tingle that you get when you know you're doing something right when you're honoring your ancestry yeah. so when I don't want us to dim diminish or undervalue that power mm -hmm. when we go into negotiations mm -hmm. settlers won't see it but we will absolutely yeah. so on that note I'll wrap up the episode we are all tiny voices but we all have that mountain line behind us it's something to remember when things get crazy out there we are the future and our children are our future it really is in our hands and if you have any suggestions for topics to cover on this podcast let us know until next time